So, we are doing something a little bit different uh, this morning. <laughs> Todd, you're shocked. I told you about it. So, uh, before, before we get to that, um, I, I have a, a few words to say because preachers got to preach. You know, I got to say something. Right? So, I, I mentioned this in a sermon about two, three months ago. I didn't go back and check. But there was this one time Jesus was asked to, uh, to, to preach in his in his hometown of Nazareth, in the synagogue. They're like, Jesus, will you, you want to do some teaching? He's like, sure, I'll do it. So he grabbed uh, the, the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, and he read these words. He said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and he put it in its place and he sat down and everybody else stood waiting for him to speak. And he preached like the shortest sermon ever. He said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Oh, you know what he's doing? If you remember, I said, he's claiming that scripture as his mission statement. He's claiming that scripture. Is, he's saying that this is what my life is all about. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight, help people see again in all sorts of ways, not just physically. To help people see again, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's saying, that's what my life is about. And I'm, I have a hunch that because he knows the Father so well. In another place, he says, I and the Father are one. Right? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So I have a hunch that he's claiming that and he's saying that this is what my life is all about because he knows that that's what God is up to in the world. That God is making things right again that God is putting things back together again, that God is taking all that is wrong in the world and, and making it new. In fact, at the end in Revelation, God says this, see, look, which is another way of saying, pay attention, just look around you at the world. I am making all things new. Right? So this morning, we're going to do that. Because here's the deal, during COVID, because everything was sort of, almost everything was taken away from us, right? And it was really hard, and it still in some ways is really hard. But since so much was taken away from us, it gave us the space to breathe. It gave us the space to, again, take a look at who we are and who God has called us to be, right? Why has God called us to plant a church here? Call it Renewed Community. And so we're, we sort of went back and we're beginning again to, to reconnect with our core values and begin to live out of them. And one of our core values is self-giving service. And we realized, oh my goodness, we aren't very good at this. Like to actually participate with what God is doing in the world, putting things back together again. And so we decided we're going to live into this and we're going to see, we're going to look, we're going to behold what God is already up to in the world. Because we have this weird worldview as Jesus people. And this weird worldview is, is this. Anything good that happens in the world, God is there. 
anything good in the world, God is, the presence of the divine is somehow in the mix, putting things back together again. So this morning, we're going to take a glimpse. So over the past, uh, I don't know, four or five months, we've done a few things with the bridge home here in Ames. We did a, a supply drive. We, on Labor Day, we went over there and we did some yard work and stuff. But, but this morning, we've invited them into our space because they are doing some really, really good work. And now it's up to us to sort of educate ourselves. Who are the people in this community who are doing amazing things and how can we work with them? And how can we help? So this morning, we're going to educate ourselves. So I'm going to ask uh, Andrea Grono, right? Did I say that right? Yes. Uh, and Lynn Owens Hill uh, to please come up. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have a little conversation here. Thank you. It is so good to have you with us. So we had a conversation um, a couple of weeks ago. And... Uh, I had a blast, and I walked away from that going, oh my goodness, this is going to be so much fun. So, here, what I'd like to do is to, for, for you to just introduce yourselves and sort of just say a, a couple of things uh, about who you are and maybe how you're connected uh, with the Bridge Home. So, my name is Andrea All the people. Good. Lynn. Hi, I'm Lynn Owens Hill, and I am the permanent supportive housing specialist. And I have the most fun job <laughs> at the Bridge Home. I get to help and house people that's been chronically homeless, so they have to be homeless for a lot of years to be in my program. So, and I get to see their lives when they have stable housing. How it gets changed and their physical appearance. Sometimes my my coworkers say, "Is that so and so or who's that at the door?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's my client, and he's just had stable housing and he's had to sleep in his own bed for three nights and he looks so well." Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So, thank you. Um, so the bridge home, if you, if you could sort of just tell us what is the, the primary mission or purpose of the organization, the bridge home. Give us just, just the, the main purpose. To walk alongside those that need help and give them a hand up mm -hmm. in life. Okay. That is, that is it. That's it. And primarily you're, you're working with people who, who just who don't have a home, who don't have permanent housing. Yeah. They either lose their home via eviction, they lose their home via divorce, uh, you know, splitting up. They um, move into town thinking that Ames has lots of affordable housing and they get here because they took this great job and there is no affordable housing. Yeah. We have sometimes college students that end up in our doorstep thinking that they're going to have roommates and they're not there. Um, people just passing through, visiting. Um, often have a place to stay and they don't have a place to stay. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
So for us, we're, we're kind of, you know, I don't know, how, how do we describe ourselves? Um, just the regular, normal, everyday resonant of aims. Uh, we just aren't aware of this. So what, what kind of what numbers are we talking about? Like, how big of an issue are we dealing with here? So, brought the numbers. Last year, we helped out with 9,800 nights of shelter to just about 2,500 people. Now it's still in our shelter, our emergency shelter. Did you hear that? Say, can you give those numbers again? Yeah, 9,800 nights of shelter. And now I will say that the, the Bridge Home works in five counties, Story County being our largest need. Yeah. So the, this number is in all five counties. Um, I'll kind of give you a brief history. The Bridge Home started in Ames in 1985, and it started as an emergency men's shelter, soon expanded into an emergency shelter for children and families as well. And um, eventually it got to the point where shelters closed in Boone County and Marshall County and all other places around the state, and the state then uh, broke up into regions, and we are called the Two Rivers region, and they adapted us to be the lead agency for a five-county region. Yeah. So we take care of the homelessness and homelessness prevention in five counties. Uh, Green, which is Jefferson, Boone, Story, Hardin, which is Iowa Falls, Eldora, and then Marshall County, too. Yeah. But Story County is our largest where we, we yeah. serve the most people. Yeah, so we're not talking about major metropolitan areas. No, rural, you know. very rural Iowa. And, and those numbers are what again? 9,800 last year and nearly 2,500 people. But let me yeah. make it even more real right now. Um, I have our July through October numbers right now. And between July and October, because July is the beginning of our fiscal year, so that's when we start, we have given over 5,500 nights of shelter in four months yeah. to 360 people, or over 360 yeah. people. Yeah. So we are over half of what we've done in four months all of last year. Yeah. So that's just shelter. That's just emergency shelter. That's not the LINS program or our uh, what we call rapid rehousing program, getting yeah. people into apartments yeah. quickly. So I have 27 people currently in my program. That's 11 households. Only one of those households are in Marshalltown. Okay. They're all in. There are. And so I have, um, I have. Um, Lynn's number, numbers have doubled. This year she has doubled in that program, yes. the number of people she helped compared to the same time last year. Yeah. So I have um, 11 sites. Yeah. And where are those sites? So um, there, there's a fourplex right by the shelter, right on our campus. And then I have um, five, scattered, five scattered sites throughout Ames, and then just one site in Marshall Town. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And tell us, tell us a little bit more about, about what you do and about how this process works. Because you're working with people who, who are homeless, and you're trying to move them toward you know, permanent, sustainable housing. So how, did, how in the world do you do that? Well, <laughs> so, um, so we have a, it's called a, 
and I always forget the name of it, but we have a pool meeting and there's like rankings. So they have, they do a VI spadette and there's rankings, how high their numbers are. So my people have to be eight or higher. So they have to be homeless with a lot of barriers. And um, so, um, so my program, I always say that my program is a, all of our programs in the Bridge Home, we're a hand up, not a handout. And in Matthew 4.19, Jesus talks about following him, and he would make us butchers and men. So it's my job to teach him. So I get to educate my um, people how to be good neighbors, good tenants. Um, we had a meeting, what, two or three weeks ago with somebody that said, I never knew how to be a good tenant or a good neighbor because I was never taught that. Yeah. So um, it's not like they don't want to be a good tenant or a good neighbor. They've just never been taught. Um, I get to, um, I manage their them. I get to take them to meetings, and I get to take them to doctor's appointments to make sure that their whole well body gets taken care of. And they have to pay rent in my program. Yeah. They have to pay up to 30% of their income in my program. And I get to help them find jobs. I get to do resumes with them. Um, so that is my program. Yeah. So, so basic skills that we sort of take for granted because we were taught. We, were li we lived in homes where we had moms and dads who, or moms or dads. or you know, We were taught how to do these things. And now you come alongside of people who didn't live in a house like that, who didn't have the up upbringing that that most of us had no you you lived as long as you had money they kicked you out you tore up you took everything you could and you moved on to the next place and that's what we see and think of so often and we think why don't they change yeah but it's that perpetuating cycle and if we didn't have lynn and her program to start breaking that cycle to show how not to play just because you didn't go to your job and how not to play music at three o'clock in the morning yeah. and bother your neighbors and then get kicked out yeah. you know it's just Got to figure out what those things are. Yeah. So you talk about you talk about barriers. What what are some of those those barriers that that you mentioned earlier? Some of the barriers is just being homeless for years. Yeah. Some of their barriers are mental health barriers. Yeah. And some of their barriers are physical health barriers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're going to say something. Well, and imagine that you've lived on the street for a long time. Uh -huh. You're living out of a backpack, which Lynn will get her thing out here in a minute. But you're living out of a backpack, and all of a sudden, you get your backpack stolen. So there goes your driver's license, the only ID you had. You guys don't even realize how hard it is to replace a driver's license and an ID to get a job. And what work you have to do, you have to have money to do that, because you have to be able to afford a birth certificate, you gotta know what hospital you're born in. If you don't know what hospital you're born in, you have to figure that out. And going to the library to use a computer is overwhelming because you just can't. You just think about that. You, you've just lost everything. Where can you sort out in your mind? Okay, I go to the library, I look up the hospital, I 
pay the fee. I don't have a credit card. Well, shoot, they won't take it. I can't go anywhere. Okay, there. I'm done. Yeah. No idea. Well, I likened it when we've talked. Um, so I needed to get my birth certificate um, for a passport. So I went and got it, $35. Thought, yes. Went to look at it. My middle name spelled wrong. So all these years, I've been spelling my middle name wrong. Okay? First off, that's just hilarious, by the way. But what, what comes next? This well, is great. My middle name is on, my, the one that I've been spelling it is on my driver's license, my social security card, all of my six kids' birth certificates, all of my, my marriage certificate. So I had to go to a notary to notarize the piece of paper. That cost me $25. So I'm not very good at math. So we're at $60 now. So then I had to take all of that paperwork back to get them change my birth certificate with my right spelling of my middle name. And that cost me another $35. We just happen to have a person in shelter right now struggling with losing her information. And I had a brief conversation with her on Friday and she doesn't have the money to get all of her stuff replaced and that is a huge barrier and we're working with her and we're finding the yeah. services to get that but you just can't you can't go get a job without that yeah yeah can't do a lot of things without that that's just one barrier yeah and what are all the different places you have to physically go to different places social security office social security office yeah. uh, and then you have to have an address so that they can send your social security Security card. Yeah. Okay. If I don't know where I'm going to sleep next, yeah. who do I, who do I, um, who do you trust? Trust to have my social security card. Yeah. Okay. And um, so that's a big barrier. Um, Mental health. Getting out of bed in the morning. That's a huge barrier. You know, yeah. I wake up. I'm depressed. I just don't feel good about myself. If I go to work, I'm going to get yelled at. I'm going to screw up. I can't physically. Well, boom, there. I'm out. I lose my job. Yeah. It's a huge yeah. barrier. And schizophrenia mm -hmm. is a, a big thing. So I have all of these thoughts racing in my head all the time, and I don't know what to believe. And I don't even know Andrea is trying to help me as a bridge home. But I don't even know if I can trust her. The voice is saying no. You can't trust her. You don't know her. What's she yeah. gonna do to you? Yeah. So I did bring a bag for just what I have observed of different things that are on people's backpacks because we all see homeless people having backpacks. And what do they put in there? Toilet paper. Where do you think they get the toilet paper from? gas station where yeah. they steal it. I mean, we have toilet paper and we always appreciate donations, but you know, if you don't know that we exist. Now we have to have a face mask or I can't go into my doctor's office. And sometimes doctor's offices don't have face masks. My birth certificate, my ID, I've copied them off. That's what that represents. 
my blanket for the night. Heidi Jean products. My thing with toothpaste. I have a gluten allergy, but I'm homeless. I can't use this toothpaste because I'll get blisters in my mouth. But if I want clean teeth. But we don't even think of those kinds of things. So that's a, another barrier. Mm -hmm. To get a job, you have to be clean. Because who's going to give you a job with dirty clothes? Well, it costs money to have a laundry. Mm -hmm. It costs money to have a shower. Mm -hmm. If you're not clean, you have bad breath, there you're going to get talked to at work, you're going to be asked to leave. Huge barrier. Another thing where you're like, oh, homeless people have cell phones. Usually their cell phones don't have any minutes on it. They can only go to um, when they get free Wi-Fi that they can maybe email, maybe do a, a free text app. So, um, and I bring this a lot and talk about the cell phone because people are like, but they have cell phones. You can also get a government phone. You get 30, it's like 30 text messages in 300 minutes. So if I want to call my, so I can't just talk to whoever I need to make sure that my doctor's appointments, if I have any jobs, if I, you know, um, if I've applied for rental, let's go to renting. I want to rent somewhere. I'm homeless. I have the bridge home that I can put for a reference because you have to have three references. I have Tom that I met on the street, and I, I think that's his name, but he doesn't have no cell phone, so they can't call him. And I have California that I met in a dumpster somewhere, and he doesn't have a cell phone. So who am I going to put it for the references? Because I have no friends that. What else is in there, Lynn? Anything? I have, uh, well, this is kind of funny, but they always have mail in their bags that they picked up, you know, yeah. I used George's house one time, the Ridge home one time, maybe the church one time. So I've picked up all of my mail, but I've never opened it because... I can't read. What happens if you've never learned to yeah. read? And it's just bills, That's and a, I don't have money for those. And I have corn snacks because, you know, somebody gave it to me that I was panhandling for money and somebody gave me their corn chips and some pops somebody gave me, you know? Yeah. But I wish I had socks. So many times my clients come in my office and they've been, they're just in a upset mood. And I said, hey, can I give you a pair of socks? And they get to put their, they haven't had clean socks on for months. And we all take that for granted. Because I have a drawer full of socks. I'm sure everybody in this room does. And if you don't have a washing machine, you're just going to discard the socks. You're not going to do that. Now, we, I, I do want to circle back, and we don't have it constantly. We're not having people that have never had socks before. But we have people that live in our, or that are in our program and we work with 
that have access to washing machines but can't wrap themselves around going to use a washing machine. You know, we, we have washing machines in the basement. Yeah. We have washing yep. machines yep. in the different places. But it, they have to have laundry soap. Well, that's a barrier there. Yeah. So it's easier just to wear the socks until they wear out, and then hopefully I'll get a new pair. Underwear, same thing. Yeah. You know, the things we don't think about, we yeah. take for granted. We wash our clothes every day. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. And so if you're in my program, I bring the laundry soap, yeah. and I say, let's go wash, and we kind of make it yeah. fun, you know. We're going to have a washing day, and sometimes I bring snacks, you know. Yeah. And I, I want to go back, we kind of jumped in there, but on the shelter program, 32% of our clients were under children under the age of 18 in our emergency shelter program. Yeah. So a lot of times you think it's just homeless men. We, we do not just work with homeless men. Yeah. We work with families. They get in. They, and there's a lot more homeless in this town than we even realize and that we see at the shelter because many people are living in their cars. They're not telling anyone. They are parking overnight in um, gas stations, in the lots, Walmarts, in the lots, anything that's 24 hours that they can kind of be safe but not be noticed. You might find somebody sitting there, uh, put up the sunshades in the windows, make it look like your car's been sitting there so that nobody bothers you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thir 13 of those were veterans, 46% were women, and we served over 9,700 meals last year yeah. to different people. We don't just have our shelter. That's a, You may have found that out when you were at the Bridge Home, but yeah. we also have motels across the five-county area. Yeah. Um, we are very limited in space in our shelter over there, and so when we have other people, we we continuously have four hotel rooms, potentially more in Ames, constantly with um, families, women, yeah. children, yeah. Um, in in shelter, in Ames, in hotel rooms. Um, again, we've got hotels in Jefferson, and we've got hotels yeah. in Isla Falls, Marshalltown. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you need funding in order to help people. An average hotel room is $90 a night. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that doesn't count the services of paying the staff yeah. and all the other things. But yeah, yeah uh, for all these hotel nights, it's yeah. it's an average. Some are more, some less. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a thing. Yeah. Got to have money to pay for those hotel yeah. rooms. Yeah. And get them food. That's another thing. You know, yeah. we've got a. Luckily, we have a great partnership right now with Food at First as well. Because when I run out of food at the shelter for them. Um, I help out by running over to uh, Food at First and grabbing motel food because if you've only got a little microwave, you don't have access to yeah. a stove, you might have a all of our rooms, we make yeah. sure that they have refrigerators. Um, but so you've got a refrigerator, but you can't keep a lot of fresh food in those little tiny yeah. you know, refrigerators. So we've got to get them microwavable foods and we try to get balanced as possible, you know, mm -hmm. fruits and vegetables too, not just macaroni and cheese because that's the standard yeah. that everyone donates. And beans, yeah. whether it be green beans or chili beans, black beans, garbanzo beans, whatever it is, everybody donates their, their beans. Yeah, a lot of beans. Got a lot of beans. Yeah, which leads to, a, I won't go there. Exactly. Um, chili. Yeah. So, so do, you have a, do you have a story of, um, uh, do we call clients? Is that That's proper? Someday clients, someday's guests, just depends. 
clients guess a, a story of, of someone who went from, oh my goodness, I need your help, to now they're, they're, they're in a place where you know, things are looking good and, and they've, got, they've got life together. Just last week? Yeah. In this just short period of last week, we had two different people that received our services in a short period of time. They brought, a gentleman was working at McDonald's, and he brought down the makings for uh, breakfast biscuits, you know, sausage, eggs, and biscuits. For, and he said, you guys help me so much. I'm on my feet now. Yeah. I, I want to bring this to you. Yeah. And we had another gentleman bring us a large screen TV as a donation, and he was just oh, wow. so thankful. It was a couple years ago. He was in a bad situation, and... Um, he didn't have any place to go, and he was so yeah. thankful yeah. that he got to have shelter there that he wanted to donate a big yeah. screen TV to the shelter. Yeah, so. Oh, so good. So what you do, I mean, you're working with in situations that are so hard and mentally and emotionally draining. Um, so I, so here's, here's a personal question for you. Why in the world do you give your life to this? Like, what is it inside of you? What, what, what burns in there that makes you, that compels you to do the work that you do? Well, I understand that I'm always one step away. I grew up in the farm crisis of the 80s in a farm in Western Iowa, and I wore my second and third cousin's clothes. We had government cheese and peanut butter. Luckily, we had our own animals to yeah. have meat, but... It was, it was rough, and I understand now that if I don't watch my P's and Q's, one health crisis, one health crisis could put me, yeah. a car accident, something where I can't quite cover, would put me into this situation every day, and now yeah. I want to be there to make sure that people don't have to go through that, no matter yeah. who they are. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I want to say Lynn has dedicated a majority of her life to social work, yeah. And she will have a much, much more yeah. important answer here. So when I was raising my six kids, and I was talking to my son about this the other day, and um, I said, what scripture verse did mom, like, beat into your head? Because as a parent, we have that one scripture verse that we say over and over again, right? Yeah. And he said, the one that said... If anyone knows to do good, they ought to do it. And if they don't do it, it is a sin for them. That's in James 4, 17. Yeah. So if I know to do good and I don't do it, I'm sinning in my own life. Yeah. And, and he, he was talking about that. And um, we, I had six beautiful adopted kids. And one day my ex-husband just decided to leave. $28 in the checking account. I got the house, but I got the payment for the house. I got the car, but the payment for the car. Yeah. And if I did not have family members, we would have been homeless. And I always think about that. I, I could have been the homeless mom in the car getting repo. And I want to make sure that I help others do for their life. Yeah. So I was almost homeless. 
I had family members. But some of these people don't. So uh, I met with uh, a lady the other day in a hotel. I dropped off food. And um, she was just heartbroken because she couldn't imagine that she had found herself. And this woman is in her 70s. Um, had health issues, had cancer, had lost her social security because there's some sort of weird loophole that if you're in the hospital for a certain period of time, they take away your social security benefits. I had never heard of such a thing, but it's true because yeah. she was desperately trying to get back on social security, so she had an income. Um, she was that woman that helped everyone else. She gave and gave and gave, and she just did not know what to do because now she had found herself in the situation where she had to take and it was one of the hardest things she ever had to do. So we have to also remember that there's so many of these folks that don't want to come ask us for help, don't want our help, yeah. don't want to be in that position, but they have no choice, and their lesson is to be willing to take the help, and we have to be yeah. willing to remember that it could be us at some point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. So normal person, resident of Ames, uh, if, if we're curious about, um, about connecting with the bridge home, what, what do you need most from just like an individual family? Say, we want to do something. Um, Monthly donation. Yeah. Is, I mean, when you ask what I need most uh -huh. to help out, to help the, everybody, because, yeah. you know, I'm, you know, working with the donors, is a monthly donation that we know yeah. we can count on every month. Yeah. That's what's most. But... Yeah. What is helpful and appreciated is if you've got something extra, drop it by, yeah. you know, think of us. I, I need volunteers to help with donations. Help. We have such a small space at the shelter and we help so many people and have to pass through so much stuff and our staff are overworked. Um, we get hundreds of phone calls. Last month, the month of October, we took in over 20, I want to say it's close to 2,800 phone calls. Yeah. And that's constant, all different hours, times. It takes over an hour to input someone, take, like intake someone into the program on the, like for questions. So we, they don't have time to put away the, the bean donations and yeah. The, yeah. the scarf and winter clothes. So we're just, I would love to have some volunteers that help organize our donations so that we're, we're using them in the best way possible and getting them to yeah. the people we need because yeah. the staff doesn't have time to do all of that. Yeah. And when you think of don't, um, so sometimes I move people from their, their apartment to maybe their permanent that I'm not needing help them with anymore. And I have a U-Haul truck, but I can't drive it. And if I would drive it, you know what he's saying? So sometimes I just need to ask Andrea, hey, do you have someone that can drive this U-Haul truck for me? Yeah. We have the others that can help with uh, putting this stuff in. Yeah, so we also would take volunteers to help yep. with moving. Like if you could be yeah. on call to help yeah. 
move someone in. Um, yeah. Take that. Uh, something I just the other day had this. I knew about mattresses because you know you can't sell mattresses at thrift stores or anything just because. Yeah. So we do take mattresses, not anything over a queen size, and preferably twin because they're much easier for everybody to handle. Yeah. Um, but we don't need the frames that go around and just the mattress because when you move into your new apartment, we've helped you get a new apartment. You don't have pots and pans. You don't have silverware. Um, you don't have a bed to sleep on. The one that I was kind of embarrassed that I will admit, pillows. Yeah. Pillows are not cheap. Right. And, uh, you know, a lady called and said, could she donate pillows? I'm like, well, of course, yes. And I'm like, gosh, I never thought about that. But yeah, yeah. think about all those things that we take for granted. Garbage cans. Yeah. You know, you don't have a garbage can in your house. Had a, one of the people downstairs, one of the women asked me for a dustpan. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, they broke the plastic dustpan, so luckily we had an extra dustpan to give them yeah. down there. You know, you can't keep your apartment clean if you don't have a dustpan and broom. Yeah. And, you know, when you move into your new place, if it's yeah. not already there, you're, you don't have yeah. it. So those are those little things that um, we appreciate. We have a partnership with Overflow for clothing and um, some of those pots and pans, but it's nice to be able to give silverware because when we put silverware in our shelter spaces, when somebody moves out, they don't want to have it. They just take it with them. So at the shelter, we always like to have a supply of um, silverware yeah. because, yeah. you know, you can't blame anybody for taking anything when they're moving to their new place because this has yeah. been what they've had and it's convenient for yeah. them. Yeah. They don't and, have the money. And so, like, organizations like, like Renew, um, if, if we're going to come alongside of you and help you do what you do, um, what are, I imagine some of the same things you just mentioned, but are there any other things that, uh, that, a, that an or how can you leverage the, the power that is the people in this room to come alongside of you and, and help you do what you do? Tell all your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends that we exist. Yeah. Um, I was very surprised when I, I was telling people that I assumed were very in tune to AIMS that I had yeah. went to the Bridge Home, formerly known as the Emergency Residence Project, because it's a new name. Yeah. A lot of people I thought would know it as Emergency Residence Project as I had. There's yeah. so many people that don't even know that this is something. Yeah. Uh, some of our politicians in the city of Ames don't think homelessness is a problem. Um, they talk about wanting to take care of mental health, but if you don't have a home at night, you can't have good mental health because yeah. you're not getting sleep. And imagine, um, so you, you're surviving because you're finding places to sleep. It gets cold, so you move into like a gas station. You get moved along. They call the police on you, and you get moved along. Yeah. You know, and you're constantly moving. So you're not getting any sleep. So then there's no way you're going to have good mental health because the next day somebody says, you need to get out of here. And then you, you're you so frustrated because that's what you've been doing all night is moving, moving, moving. And then you get angry and you just yell at someone. Yeah. And your mental health is shot. Homelessness is a problem. And it can we can help a lot of people with their mental health if we take care of giving them a place, yeah. a warm shelter and a place yeah. to stay. Yeah. So to go, well, go ahead then. And be a friend. You know, uh, a lot of my clients are like, but you're my only friend. Could you imagine 
the person that gets paid to help you yeah. is your only friend. And, it, and sometimes I sit and just ponder on that. And I couldn't imagine not having my friends to talk to. So you see that person might look a little unkept. Go and talk to them. You probably would make their day. Yeah. Now, they may be, I will warn you, they may be a little hesitant and wonder why you are talking to them because no one else talks to them or sees them as a person. Um, just talk to them. So just genuine kindness. Imagine that. A little compassion. You can come to the shelter and talk to people. Yeah. There's nothing saying that you cannot yeah. come and visit and talk, cook a meal with the men upstairs. Okay. Um, the women and families have their own space. If you make friends with them, they'd be yeah. happy to have you come down and cook with them. I know yeah. Yeah. that just visiting yeah. people. Now, I will also say um, on behalf of Lynn that she's their friend and she is their safe person. So along with that comes a lot of anger and frustration that they take out on Lynn. Yeah. which Lynn is an incredible soul because I have heard these things. Yeah. And Lynn knows it's not about her. And that's what you would have to remember, that if someone yelled at you or called you a name or pushed you away, it's not about you. It's about them and their barriers and how they've been treated and their fears. Yeah. And yeah. just don't take it personally. And that goes in everyday, everyday life. <laughs> yeah. Don't take it personally and get right back in there and right. be a friend to somebody. Yeah. Okay. You can't take it personal, you know? Just another day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm hearing volunteer work, all mm -hmm. kinds of volunteer work yep. um, that we could offer. Uh, I'm hearing funding. Okay. And I'm also hearing, um, just get the word out. Yes. Let people know. Absolutely. You're here. This is what you do. And homelessness is a lot greater problem than we probably realize. Yes. Actually... That I have a thought that I would like to, out in the front of our shelter space, we have the little free library and we have a little free uh -huh. uh, food pantry. Yeah. I would like to have a little free feminine hygiene product box as well. Yeah. Because that's something that, if you guys think about that, that yeah. doesn't stop. Right. And you've got to deal with that and you've got to deal with that however you can. And, those products are taxed, they're expensive, and yeah. if you don't have yeah. a shelter or someplace to go get them, yeah. and it's a little bit embarrassing for some people to have yeah. to go ask. And yeah. I'm noticing businesses are more and more you know, sticking them in their bathrooms for their employees, but if you don't have that access to it yeah. and you don't have a little extra funds, I'd like yeah. to have that ability. Um, yeah. And people generally think to donate pads, but if you're living out of that bag, that space in that bag yeah. is pretty tight. A box of pads isn't gonna yeah. be convenient. It's a tampon thing. Yeah. And for some that may be uncomfortable, but it's the reality yeah. of life yeah. and you can't, yeah. gotta have it. Yeah. So if anybody would like to build a little free feminine hygiene box outside, let me know. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you uh, for, for spending time with us, um, for educating us. Um, for sort of opening our eyes to um, homelessness in the area and also what you do. So I also want to make sure that you know that there are so many great stories. It's not all doom and gloom. I mean, yeah, we yeah, were yeah. sharing the stories of you know, the 
what needs because that's there. But there are some really great positive stories yeah. of people. Like um, you're going to see our newsletter come out this week. Um, I don't know what day it will actually show up in your mailboxes, um, but yeah. anybody that's on our newsletter list, we have a print newsletter coming out. And Lynn and her client Susie are on the front cover. And Susie, this is her first winter in a very long time, not being out in the cold. Ten years. Ten years. And she's grown up in Ames and Boone area. So yeah. ten years, this is her first winter in a long Yeah. She lived in a abandoned bus in a parking lot for most of that time. Yeah. And she's like, I am not going to be cold this yeah. winter. So you helped her move from an abandoned bus mm -hmm. to stable housing. Yep. Is she in a shelter or is she? No, she's in, she's one of my permanent supportive housing people okay. yeah. that I get to mentor and I say mentor and love on him because that's what I do. Yeah. I don't know if that's political correctness, but that's my job is to mentor them and to, and love, to love on them, them and to teach them. Yep. There's many others that have gone, well, like the gentleman who brought the big screen TV. Yeah. Now, the ironic part of that big screen TV is it was so big, we don't have a shelf to put it on, and oh, we're no. going to have to uh, send it off to another owner. Yeah. But he was very proud, and we were very, very appreciative, but it was just too big. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. too big. Yeah. Um, we've got people that move in and out of shelter all the time to stable housing, or we at least get them access to vouchers to get into yeah. stable housing. Um, yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of positive that we do and get people into that next stage in yeah. their life. Yeah. So my Marshalltown client, he was in supportive housing. We got him a housing voucher through HUD. And in December, he'll be out of my program. Yeah. And he's all stable. So, you know. And he had a job. The whole time that he was in this program, he had a job. He's one of those people that were working at a low-paying job, couldn't couldn't make it. Yeah, couldn't make it, yeah. and that's in Marshalltown. It's yeah. more expensive here than it is in Marshalltown. Yeah, right, right. Before he was in the program, he was living out of his truck. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, will you stick around after mm -hmm. we're done? Yeah. If anybody has any questions, yeah, if anybody for wants you? a brochure with these numbers, I take yeah. we can take them yeah. and get them out to people so they know that okay. it's happening, and we want to help as many people as we can. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to thank you for having us. Oh my us goodness, it's, it's, it's just good to to meet people who are doing this kind of work, and you've just given your life to this, and um, yeah, I really am grateful for you coming in. I, I got two more things. Um, first. This is a gift uh, from us to you. Um, there, you, so you use good. that for, for we trust you. Uh, we trust that you know what to do with it. Yep. Uh, we just want to come alongside and, and give we you a little gift. We appreciate that. Yeah. Yep. We can't do it alone. No, nobody yeah. can. So uh, there's that. And then may I pray for you? Oh, please. Thank okay. You. Let's, let's pray.